Hello, audio listeners, and welcome to the Halfwits Podcast, where my brother and I discuss pop culture and geek out about all sorts of nerdy stuff. I'm Kieran, or Kieran Nimbus Online, and this is Tristan, otherwise known as Trons. Yep, that sounds about right. So, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty, small talk, how are things going? How are, how are, how's life? Well, I get ready to move to Cincinnati from Columbus in about two weeks, or uh, sometime soon, uh, near the end of the month. It's, so it's really I'm exciting. Just kind of staying down here in our in my mom's house, just chilling, waiting for the day to move. I mean, so, I, I'm personally excited for the, the IRL D&D that's going to be happening. It's going to be yep. super Back cool. making characters tomorrow, actually. I know, and uh, for those of you interested, we're going to be running the Curse of Strahd, which is, like, hella cool. I, I haven't run... Um, uh, a session with Strahd, but it, it's it's going to be really awesome. I already it have a couple of, of character concepts in mind. I think we'll. I don't know exactly how we're going to do like movement and combat. I've been considering getting like a roll twenty kind of map set, maybe, and then projecting that onto like a screen or something. Oh, that would be neat. I think that'd be okay, and have people move that way and stuff. I I, I don't know. I have to fiddle with it, but we got time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just to start things off, uh, I I was I, I, before we started the pod, I was talking like I, I was trying. To, I, I hadn't settled on anything uh, for my topic, but I think what I'm going to talk about is dropout. Uh, mm. It's it, I'm sure you've heard of it. it. It's a streaming platform, kind of, but it's run by the College Humor guys, and it has everything from like Brennan Lee Mulligan's D&D sessions to its own shows and some old sketches that they, they ported onto there. Uh, uh, how familiar are you with Dropout? Oh, very, very familiar. Uh, Anna and I really like Um Actually and Game Changer. Those are our favorite. I mean, those are kind of the best ones, and I, I, I say that with love in the world because... All the other shows have their own merits, but yeah, I feel like Game Game Changer specifically, I think, deserves an award. I like it's creative. It's very inventive and very special with how dude, it's set up. I mean, the premise itself is amazing, but the people that um, Sam Reich, he he's the CEO of the company. He also hosts the show and does an amazing job. He always gets this incredible talent uh, from people coming in, and I mean. Like, some episodes, I just, I'm laughing so much it hurts. Other episodes, I'm, like, blown away at the talent. Uh, especially mm-hmm. uh, uh, with certain episodes, and I'd love to talk about that. I'll, I'll go ahead yeah. and briefly mention, Dropout also has, like, the occasional uh, um, limited series, and uh, I also find that Um Actually uh, has an, uh, an incredible feel as well. That's done by Mike Trapp. He's the host of that show. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, uh, I'll sort of go down the, the list and talk about the shows that I watch the most. Uh, so we can definitely start with Game Changer. Just so to, what's that show about? Yeah, just to recap, uh, Game Changer is a show that changes its rules every episode. It's now, like they, playing a new board game every day. Yeah. Kind of thing, where it's just completely different. 
Yeah, it's it's really it's really incredible. So like sometimes the contestants will have literally no idea what's going on and they'll have to like parse and try to figure out the game as it's happening. And other times like you the the contestants get a little bit of a setup before like okay, here's what you're doing today. But before they walk on set, they have no idea what the rule set's going to be. Yep. Like one time that it's uh like they called it Sam says, but it was basically Simon says. So they get an idea of how the game works from there because it's a very common game. But other times, he flips everything around and just does something crazy. I think one of my favorite episodes that still sticks in my head is the episode where they have this machine that supposedly can tell them, like, anything and can detect when they lie. And it turns out that they the the showrunners actually grabbed the uh, spouses of the contestants and that that's who was controlling the machine. So it was asking questions like... Yeah, they were, like, hiding like, in a back room. Yeah, yeah. They asked questions like, do you have holes in your underwear? And, uh... You know, do you snore at night? And like the contestants were just so baffled at how this machine knew everything. And yeah, it turns out behind the curtain it was the spouses. I thought that was super clever. There are other games too that are just a bit more like 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 challenges to figure out what's going on. I think my most memorable episode is an episode with a guy named Brennan Lee Mulligan. He's playing with two other contestants, and it's called Yes or No. Simple concept where uh, Sam Rice would just ask yes or no in some weird funky fashion from having a barbershop quartet sing yes or no to smashing watermelons to reveal the word yes or no whatever it was including yo-yo tricks too but the idea was that the contestants had to guess yes or no but they had to figure out the rule that determined whether the answer was yes or no. Now you might be sitting there thinking, all right, that sounds kind of boring. Maybe not too interesting, but I can assure you it is awesome when you get to the end and figure out how they determined it. Yeah, I think I, I definitely it, it's such a, a hard thing to, to do, right? Trying to get somebody into dropout means I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, that episode, exactly. that episode is incredible. Uh, there is a section at the end that I think really, really shows off the kind of person that Brennan Lee Mulligan is. And if oh, it's so good. Uh, if I could do a short side tangent, Brennan Lee Mulligan is an incredible person. He's super oh. talented. He's he, like the heart and soul of, of a lot of their, the cast, I would say. Yeah, in I my would personal say that. opinion. Yeah, like he, I've never met anybody who didn't like him. I mean, for he's, whatever reason, he's like I said, he's also an incredible person outside of the show. Like every year, mm-hmm. he um, he volunteers uh, to work at a uh, a camp, uh, a kids camp uh, for education, mm-hmm. and he takes all the money that he earned um, from being a camp counselor and donates it to charity. Like the guy is incredible and yeah he's super talented he shows up on he's a, in a lot of, of everything yeah. yeah yeah he's very he, he very actually affluent. so another thing that um that dropout does is they do their own D campaigns and they they you you get to watch everything from every role to the beginning of each campaign etc and he uh, brennan lee mulligan a uh, dungeon masters for one of them but he also participates as a as a player in a few too yeah he um uh it, yeah it's called dimension 20 and what's unique about that show to me is uh you do get like a different flavor some of them are more funny some of them are more serious uh but but typically what happens is they'll they'll pre-plan like the setup for each campaign and brennan lee mulligan will have like a very specific vision on how it starts and how it finishes and it's very succinct it's like very pre-planned uh i almost want to call them one shots because it's not like a full-scale critical role length campaign they're they're very um 
but they vary between like you know like 10 ish episodes each one uh i know some go more some go less they both had like matt and mercer on some of them didn't they or am i getting confused with critical role no yeah yeah so um uh i think matt actually dm'd um the sequel to the candy uh the the candy campaign uh i i have gift what it was called off the top of my head but the original one the premise was like it's all about candy and it's all goofy and silly but like there is some real political drama happening and there's like this war that's destroying each nation um i just looked it up online and he plays as uh uh, overwatch character called cole cassidy he's the voice yeah yeah, he is. Uh, Matt Mercer uh, voices uh, Cassidy, among a lot of other roles, too. Apparently something in Sonic. Somebody named Espio? I don't know who that is. That's on my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt Mercer out. is super talented. And uh, yeah, so Renly Mulligan runs Dimension 20, and that's a huge part of their success. And I think they deserve it. It's, it's a fantastic show. And benefit is that you can watch uh one of these uh campaigns and not have to spend trillions of hours like you do with critical role to catch up i think there's probably maybe two or three other honorable mentions of dropout uh let's see there's um actually there's uh break is it breaking news i'm pretty sure it's called breaking news yeah that's and then right. uh what was the last thing i was i just thought of oh and they do a new thing called something with sounds oh um uh <sighs> Frick, I love that show. It's so good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'll find out. But basically, one of the Game Changer episodes got turned into its own little spinoff show. Yeah, it was um, because it was so successful. Like I said, sometimes they do repeat show topics if they're just that good. It's called Make Some Noise, where That's basically it. Sam Rice asks the contestants to imitate something. It's usually ridiculous, whether it's like mac and cheese, like noises or birds and something. Right. Okay. So making making some noise, I think, has a lot. I mean, just so much to offer because just like Game Changer, uh, since it's a spinoff, every episode they have new prompts. Sometimes they get new people, and uh, it, it's inc- it, it, it is an amazing, amazing show. I, I think one of my my favorite prompts is. Oh, I always forget his name. But he, so which one? Uh, he's the. Oh, is it Josh Freeland? Uh, there's a Josh. I don't know his last name. I could find out if we were so. Oh, hold on. Drop out Josh Rubin. Josh Rubin. That's like the sandwich, is. but without the first e. Wait, yeah. Why did it say Josh Freeland? Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, Josh, Josh Rubin has a particular talent for, like, making non-human sounds. But there was one instance that I found that was super funny, and the prompt was 100 Batmans. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> He's just going... It's ethereal to hear him just doing Yeah, it. yeah, it's super great. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, talking about some other stuff, too, we could, we could touch on, um, actually. I, I feel like... Yeah, that one's pretty simple in concept. It's basically like Jeopardy. Yeah. But it's a little different. Yeah, the, the idea is, uh, Mike Trapp, who is the host, has a bunch of incorrect... I'm gonna, like, repeat it verbatim. He has a bunch of incorrect statements, and the jobs of the contestants is to correct him using the phrase, um, actually. And if you don't say, um, actually, you don't get the points. It's, it's a very fun concept. Yep. Um, yep. they get all sorts of 
people on the show. They do have like regulars from College Humor cast, but they do get on guests uh, very consistently. Uh, and speaking of Matt Mercer, he was also on a, an episode or two. Um, I think uh, if he, not, I think his last name is Nodway or something Wadiway? similar to that. Yeah, Iffy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's pretty cool. He's on there a few times. Um, they have other people like Lily. Uh, I, oh, man, the last names are hard for me. Uh, there's a girl named Lily. She's on there a few times. Um, I bet you Felicia Day's been on one. Maybe, yeah. maybe I don't know. Not top of my head. They they get a very a, a varied cast of guests because the idea is, and I'm I I don't know if this is confirmed, but I think I heard somewhere that basically what they do is like months before they shoot, they'll ask the 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 contestants like something that they're interested in in pop culture, and then they'll make sure to include like one or two questions in there to throw them a bone, and then usually yep. based on their responses, they'll do like fun episodes where they they hone in on a specific topic like there was a um a nickelodeon episode and there was uh like a, a star wars a, episode and there was a wwe one because yes. i guess enough wrestling fans there was a um, preschool like tv or slash like cartoons for young kids where the three people were parents yeah yeah. Uh, and they had like questions on like Bluey and stuff, for example. They had a Simpsons episode, I think, too, where it was just Simpsons. Yeah. But yeah. usually, you know, they get about like 12 questions each episode or so, or maybe it's nine. No, it's like about 12, maybe. Maybe 12, 15 of just everything. Any fandom you can think of reasonably, they've probably done a question at least. Even really obscure stuff, too. Like, I, if I knew the obscure stuff off the top of my head, I'd pull it out and tell you. But yeah, there, um, there are some questions that place. catch me off surprise. So, oh, actually, it's pretty good. Uh, and then the last thing, oh, they do another thing called breaking news where it's like, it's like watching a newscast where there's a bunch of anchors on, at a desk, but the catch is they don't know what they're about to read. They see it on the little teleprompter in front of them. And it's usually hilarious, like just random stuff that they got to say that sounds stupid or, you know, it's about one of the people who are actually speaking and it's like a comedy skit almost to watch. Yeah, it's it's like improv that the challenge is that you the news anchor can't laugh while saying the most mm -hmm. ridiculous, ridiculous things. Uh, yeah. I, I do like I do like I, I think it's it just good for a good like laugh. breaking newsroom but yeah or something like that but yeah. it's worth it's worth a watch for a laugh if you're ever just kind of down great thing to watch just it, they're like up to 10 minutes max it's nothing crazy yeah i'd say dropout special is really special to me as a streaming platform because it, it really feels like you're you're led into this little club and it's just fun of it's full of really talented and funny people and the subscription is only like 5.99 five bucks yeah. yeah, maybe six bucks. It, it's but really there's enough affordable. on there. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you haven't seen any of it, you'll have plenty of time. I do recommend watching uh, CEO. That I don't, I don't know oh, if that's what the yes. series is just called. Yeah, the CEO Brennan series. Lee Mulligan, he pretends to be a CEO of different companies at times where they're having problems, like Tumblr or Oreos or something. And he just, or like, remember when Tide Pods were really big as a problem for people eating them? Mm -hmm. At one point, he was the CEO of Tide, and he was trying to, <laughs> he was like reviewing products as they were making them off the line, you know, as yes. a joke. And they would give him like lollipops that look like Tide Pods and stuff, and he's just freaking out as the CEO of Tide. Uh, some of his stuff is really funny. If, if you, you can find it on YouTube too, I think some of the stuffs on YouTube from Dropout. Not yeah. everything, but some. They do have select episodes you can watch in its entirety. I will say they do oftentimes like censor things, and they have mm -hmm. like little banner ads that roll. But uh, that, I, I love Dropout. I I I watch it every week because there's always something new that's happening. Um, I, I also just to throw out a couple of other shows that I think 
are worth talking about. Um, there are there are a couple of like limited series runs. Have you ever seen Ecker Ultra Mechatron Team Go? It sounds familiar, but I don't. You, tell me about it. So the premise is that it's sort of like a Power Rangers ripoff, or like it's it's like Power Rangers and um, uh, Voltron combined. The idea is like right. each person controls one part of this mech and they fight monsters. And there's like an evil power master who's who's like trying to destroy the earth. It is really funny. It, it it really subverts your expectations. At first, it feels like the beginning of a sketch. Like, oh, what if the Ultra Mechatron team is are really incompetent and they're just like really weird people? And, and every episode has like a little gimmick that goes on. Uh, but the ending of the show like takes a hard left turn into cinematography, and it is amazing. Uh, I'd recommend that. Uh, another show that I occasionally watch is Dirty Laundry. Have you watched that one? Oh, I've heard. I've I've seen like little clips of it on like TikTok and stuff. So I, I that's the one where like they all submit some weird fun facts or weird things about them. Yeah, and they have to like guess who put it in to the pot of weird facts and weird stories. Yeah, so Lily, uh, Lily Dew, she's the the host of this one, and and uh, Grant is the like sort of co-host we haven't talked about uh like the main cast too too much but there is like a main cast of people on college humor who appear in a lot of these shows so Lily grant's Dew, pretty good yeah, yeah he's grant's, on there too grant's a really and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about grant in a second because there's another show that i really really like um but yeah so lily do brings on people they submit like a secret about themselves and then she'll read out the secret to everybody and everybody in the room has to guess who submitted it and it's very fun uh, uh and the whole theme of the the show is uh, uh, centered around like drinks so uh grant is the bartender and uh the idea is that if you were the one that that submitted it you have to drink to to show that you you did Hmm, fair enough sounds pretty good the last show that i wanted to talk about it's another limited run series if you have not watched this yet tristan i would highly recommend it it's called total forgiveness oh i've seen that yeah that was a few years ago that has uh, ali beardsley and it has grant um grant o'brien that's his name yep grant o'brien uh i can tell you about this one this one's actually pretty good so grant and ali being in college humor have gone to college and they have they had a ton of debt like probably over 80,000 or something like that a- enough sizable college debt so the two of them teamed up and pitched to Sam Reich who Reich who is like the CEO of Dropout and College Humor and we're like hey what if we did this show where we both made challenges for each other in increasing difficulty? And if we do the challenge, College Humor, you pay us part of our loan. And so the two of them would make challenges for each other that got increasingly more difficult as they try to get, you know, more money so that they could pay off their student loans. Total forgiveness. I, I think that's it, pretty much, at that at, at base of it. And again, I don't want to spoil anything. That's why I was very light with how I described it. But let me say to you, listener, if you have not checked out Total Forgiveness, I think that is the price of it. That would be worth the price of admission to drop out by itself. It, it, it's not just like the premise of the show. It's sort of played off as funny, but it, it really, really, really gets down to the psychology of people who are in debt. And it gets it, it it strains Grant and Allie's relationship a lot as friends, and it it really comes to a head uh, near the end of the series where they've done so many things to each other. It becomes really difficult for them to connect 
with each other and there's there's a really amazing discussion to be had i think total forgiveness is incredible i don't think they they meant for it to be as amazing as it was but uh, an experience like that is definitely worth watching i definitely had one of the two that i started to feel bad for after a few episodes oh absolutely and yeah and i don't want to spoil nothing but i definitely was like all right that's not fair i don't know i, I have strong opinions on how that show went through yeah, no, well, definitely. That's all of Dropout, I guess. Is there anything else on Dropout I, that's like worth mentioning slash memorable? I can't think of anything else besides regular skits, which are anything. Yeah, I mean, they do have like all the normal stuff college humor would have. They do like sort of cross posts, but I mean, they also have some of their unique things. Um, I know, I know some of their other popular shows include like... Uh, have you seen What the Fuck 101? No, but isn't that like weird history facts? Yeah, the, it's sort of like a parody of, of Miss Frizzle and the school bus, uh, the magic school bus. And the mm. idea is that the teacher there just teaches them the worst parts about history. Like the things that people don't want to talk about. Uh, there's another Fair show enough. called Kingpin Katie. I haven't watched this one, but it's, it's, it's more of a scripted show where, uh, Katie Maravich, who was one of the regular cast members, is a cocaine dealer. And you you follow her and her antics uh i i know that for a time um they're they at one point had like a partnership with drawfi and so there's a show called cartoon hell that's a fun thing to watch um hmm. but yeah i think i think we covered all the main ones though those ones definitely make it worth watching for me um with that being said um i think now would be a good time to talk about your topic what would you bring for this week all right we're gonna talk about the best and worst Disney villains, because I have strong opinions on some underrated Disney villains. Okay, and so... I'm not including like Marvel and um, and Star Wars. Essentially, those aren't. I'm not counting those. Okay, but anything else is pretty much fair game. Yeah, I mean. So let me just. Oh yeah. I was just about to say, uh, I, you you can definitely go about this how you would like to, but just just to clarify, we're talking about like the set up villains. For a Disney movie, like a Disney animated movie. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be a non animated movie, but those aren't usually like the best or the worst ones, I guess. If I'm thinking, well, I don't know if you pulled up somebody that was worth it, worth mentioning. That's fine. I was going to name my favorite right off the bat okay, because yeah. he's definitely underrated and some people probably haven't even heard of him. But Bowler Hat Guy, Mike Yagubian. From, from Meet the Robinsons. From Meet the Robinsons. I think he has got the best redemption arc because he was not even the main villain in his movie. Not not at the end of it, he was just kind of like a pawn. But he's played as the villain up until the very end of the movie. And he has this great redemption arc that a lot of villains in Disney don't have. Just, just don't have at all. Like Maleficent, unless you count like the movie with Angelina Jolie, like in... In Sleeping Beauty, she doesn't have much of an arc or much of anything, really. She's just kind of a jerk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But but this guy, he he's actually like he cares and he actually has feelings and whatnot. By the end of the movie, he kind of turns a new leaf. But I don't know when the last time you've seen that movie was. But Meet the Robinsons was like a top tier Disney movie that just is never mentioned. Yeah. No, I I do agree that it was sort of a twist too because. I mean, you you wanted to learn more about this guy. He was he was clearly incompetent throughout the movie, and the the twist at the end like really cements him as uh, a redeemable villain. I, I think there's a, a word for them, like a relatable villain. Maybe if you haven't seen Meet the Robinsons, it's on Disney Plus. Go watch it because if yeah. you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Yeah, I don't know if there's a better, well written Disney villain. 
And I would say Disney villains sort of fall into some very classic ideas of villainy, right? You have relatable villains where their backstory is explained in a way that you could understand where they're coming from. Uh, you have, like, pure evil villains, the ones that just want to destroy everything and, and kill the world. Uh, I, I imagine things like the Evil Queen uh, from Snow White or... Um, What's another good example? Oh, like Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective. Was he relatable? Oh, wait, sorry. Which, which, wait, you said we're describing which kind of villains? We're, we're, I, I was discussing like true evil villains. Like, oh, they, they yeah, just, yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, just not a, For a sure. good ounce in their heart. Um, um, I, I've got a whole list of like every Disney villain on here, so I could see them all. Uh, Jafar is a good example of that. Yeah. He's just kind yeah. of evil. Absolutely. I mean, there's the list of what's considered primary villains. You have the Evil Queen from Snow White, Chernabog from Guess. I'm, I think that's Fantasia. He's the big like devil creature. Mm, okay. uh, the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland, Captain Hook, Maleficent, Cruella Deville, Ursula, Jafar, Scar, Hades, and Doctor Facilier from um, Princess and the Frog. Those are marked as like the primary Disney villains. You know what? I I so I love like evil villains i think that they do serve a really good purpose they're like at that point they're almost a force of nature that you just don't want to get in the way of um yeah like shere khan and mulan who yes. literally is just an enemy army yes or he runs it um and and honestly my i think my favorite like classic evil villain might oh, wait. be oh, 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 before sorry. you say i was gonna say i missed i, I said shere khan i meant isn't it genghis khan Oh, oh! Or, I, I, I didn't know if they changed it or not. If it, if it's straight up Genghis Khan, that's or fucking... it might be Shan Yu. No, it's Shan Yu. Shan Yu, that's his name. Okay, okay. I was about uh, to say uh, like, uh, uh, Shere Khan is the tiger from Jungle Book. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My bad. I was thinking Genghis Khan because I think Man. he's from the Mongol Empire. Disney. Anyway, fans okay. Are, like, so your favorite right now? Your, yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, that's not right. Uh, no, your favorite classic. You were saying? Uh, I think like okay, so. What was his Doctor Facili? Yeah, he's Doctor Facilier from um, Yes, okay. uh, Princess and the Frog. Yeah, so I so I would say Doctor Facilier. He's he's more modern. Um, in that two thousand seven. You know, yeah, I think. yeah. He he. Uh, one of the last two uh, D animated movies. I really really enjoyed his performance. I loved him in in Princess and the Frog. He's he's definitely up there for me. His song is super catchy. His aesthetic is amazing. Um, and yeah. he's not. I don't feel like he's quite as imposing as some other villains are. But he like he's so unique. He has a name him. for himself. Yeah. Um. It's that being kind of like Mother Gothel entangled. You're Mother Gothel. You're like, well, she's she's a villain, you know, but and, and she's memorable. But I don't know if she's like super mega evil. But right. She's like not good by any means. Yeah. In a similar vein. Um, my favorite classic Disney villain is Gaston. I mean, classic. It is a complete inversion on masculinity and how it can. I think it was it was the first example of how like toxic masculinity can go. Right, this guy mm -hmm. takes all the traits of what you what some would consider like a, a, a classic hero and inverts them to be the villain. And I think that's so captivating. I love Gaston. I'm looking here at this list of villains, and some of these villains, I don't even know if I've... I, I, like, I've heard of them, but I've never thought about them. Like, I guess, remember they made the movie Oz, the Great and Powerful? Well, apparently, uh, the, yeah. uh, the Wicked Witch of the West counts as a Disney villain because Oz, the Great and Powerful, is a Disney movie. Oh, okay. Some of them are also from, like, like Enchanted. There's the queen from there, apparently. They count as Disney villains. 
Um, so that's actually an example of a live-action villain. Um, Dr. Hamsterville, what's that from? Oh, from uh, Lilo and Stitch. Do you remember the rabbit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the bad guy in that movie. I forgot about him. I don't know if you have a list up or not. You can lo- look up Disney villains on, like, Disney Wiki, and there's all of them just lined up. Um, oh, I Hocus mean- Pocus. The witch is their count, too, if you've ever seen that. Yeah, well, in like, okay, um, I, I, I think, so I, I have a, a list up now, as you, you were talking, I pulled up, uh, the list on Wikipedia, um, and it, it sort of goes over a lot of the, the main ones. Captain Hook is a classic as well, uh, from Peter Pan. Are you asking or are you saying? I was just stating it. He's a classic. Oh, yes, he he's, is a classic villain. He's afraid. He counts as one of the bigger ones, or at least like one of the like the main villains, primary villains. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, there's also Ursula. Dude, what a cool depiction. Yeah, uh, and, okay, I haven't seen the Little Mermaid rebake, because I, I don't know if I'd like it, but I do know that Melissa McCarthy as Ursula sounded like a great idea. That actually sounds amazing. I almost went to watch it specifically for that. Yeah, like, I, I man, Ursula to me, like, really feels like a hag from D anD. d Um, kind of, yeah. Uh, if if you're not like totally familiar with D anD. I'll, I'll sort of explain briefly. A hag is supposed to be like everything ugly and evil possible. They're, they're like, they're fiends, so they come, I think they come from the Abyss. They might come from the Nine Hells, but I'm pretty sure they come from the Abyss. And the idea is, like, they'll entice you with an offer, but it's a monkey's paw situation that oftentimes ends up way not in your favor. Like, a lot of poor townsfolk will be like, can you please heal my son? I'll do anything. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll heal your son. Uh, here it goes, and boom, the son is healed, but... He gets hit by, like, a horse in the head and dies a week later, and your soul is now belonged to the hag. It's very, it's very evil magic. That, that sort of just reminded me of Ursula. Huh. Fair enough. Let's see. Some other ones that I definitely consider, like, good Disney villains. There's Syndrome from The Incredibles, because mm. he's relatively, I would call him relatable, played by, um, I can never remember his name. I never remember it. He's a guy who plays Dave in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh... Eh, it'll come to me and I'll, I'll remember it and say it out loud in the middle of nowhere. Um, Syndrome is an amazing like, villain. Yeah. And you know, actually, there's so many little details in that movie that show that he was just trying to be himself and that he just wanted to be respected by Mr. Incredible. Like, I saw a post, like, you know how at the beginning when Mr. Incredible's trying to stop Bomb Voyage? Yes. And and Little Syndrome comes up and he's trying to help out. So like, uh, Mr. Incredible tells him to get lost while he's like holding up Bomb Voyage, like clearly doing something. Yeah. Well, later on in the movie, Syndrome like recalls back to that memory. And in that memory, it's actually just Mr. Incredible. Not Bomb Voyage nowhere in this memory. Just Mr. Incredible like yelling at Syndrome. And Syndrome oh, perceives it as like, it's like just hated towards him. So he's like relatable or well, as relatable as a villain could be in that he just misunderstood what was going on. And he just really just had it out for Mr. Incredible, essentially. Man, dude, The Incredibles is such an amazing movie. I- it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the I second don't... one I didn't hate either. I thought the second one was fine. I thought, yeah, I thought the second one was fine. I think it got a little too much hate. Um, I think people didn't like the villain with it just being like, oh, technology, bad guy, 
oh, that's modern, you know, and totally not original. I don't care. The villain was still a villain, and there was a whole bunch of other villains and stuff like that in the movie, too. And it did a very good job of being a family movie. Yeah, I think... I, think, I, I would think, say. I think it still holds up. I also really like the direction that they took with, like, Mr. Like, they're they're calling back the superheroes, but they don't call back Mr. Incredible first. They want to introduce Miss Incredible. Uh, yep. As she's more of, like, a, a, a... What's the word? Like, progressive choice. I thought that that was super cool. Yeah, I agree. Let's see. Oh, apparently the bad bear in Brave is called Mordu. We don't need to talk about Brave. It's okay. I didn't mind Brave, but I'm I, we we could spend a lot of time talking about the good and bad of Brave. I, I thought it was fine. Like it's not. I don't think it's a terrible movie. You know what? It would have been a good movie if the mom didn't turn into a bear. Probably. Like it was definitely. A, it was like late into the movie that she actually turns into a bear, isn't it? It feels like it's, it's late. It's in the like movie. the midpoint. Yeah. But like, if That's they huge. just focused on the father daughter, or, or the, excuse me, the mother daughter relationship. And, like, I don't know, had a different conflict of interest. Like, maybe they didn't need to have that. Maybe they could have had it specifically hone in on how uh, Merida was feeling and the, the sort of experiences good. that she had. I think it would have been a much, much better movie. But Let's see. Some other memorable villains I'm finding. Um... Oh, oh, what's her name from Emperor's New Groove? Oh, Yzma. Yzma. And Kronk. We, dude, Oh, Kronk is my... He's got to be one of my favorites. I mean, he's not even, like, a bad guy, really. He's he's more he's of a not. But it's... Uh, dude, I love that movie so much. Look, you gotta love the villains that are just there. So that They think they're being evil, and they're just not. They're doing their own thing. Having a good time. Kuzco's <laughs> poison. Poison for Kuzco. Yeah, that poison. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so Yzma and Kronk, those are a good duo. Uh, who else we got? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I know I'm looking at the list. There's a lot. If you consider everything, including like all like minor villains, there's a ton. Like Heffalumps and Woozles from Winnie the Pooh count on this list of villains. <laughs> Wait, which I think at the end of the movie, Heffalumps aren't a bad guy. It's just an yeah, elephant. they're definitely not. I mean, the uh, I think the Woozles appeared in like a dream sequence with Winnie the Pooh, and the Heffalumps did the bad versions. Yeah. So I guess they. I don't know if they should be on this list or not, but they're on here. Rhino guards from uh, uh, Robin Hood apparently count. You know what? Can we talk about something? So I think there's been a lot of discussion about like twist villains and how they're becoming kind of repetitive in Pixar movies. I think it probably started with Frozen, maybe, in that, Disney movies. Yeah, because that was, like, it was surprising. I don't, I don't, I still don't know if I loved the twist. It, it, it wasn't, like, I don't think the twist was bad. I think the problem, because, like, I kind of saw it ahead of time when they were talking about the whole song about how they wanted to, like, get married or whatever or start dating, like, immediately. Like, finishing each other's sandwiches, that song. Yeah. It was kind of like, okay, hold on. And and, and Elsa, her, she says it too. It's like, you just met, now you want to get married? With the, there, There's something up here. Like, that yeah. that spoiled it for me. So when the actual twist came, I wasn't as surprised. But I also think, all right, this movie was meant for, what, 12-year-olds? Probably originally intended that way? Yeah, Maybe. sometimes I think we forget that as fans of media like this, a lot of it is targeted towards kids. Right. Yeah, that goes... and there are some things that are meant for everybody, but there are also some, like, a twist like that, like, it's a twist, it's nothing crazy for a twist. It's just kind of like, a, oh, okay, checks out, you know, it's different. And I'm still of the opinion that it, even if you're writing a children's uh, 
script or a children's book, don't talk down to the people that are reading your stuff, right? You can still make an incredibly compelling and amazing story with simple words. Um, I love the Pendragon series, and that has a twist villain in it. Uh, this has mm-hmm. nothing to do with Disney, but... Okay, fair uh, enough. Uh, my point is you you can make extremely compelling stories without, you know, dumbing it down. So I'll always be of the opinion that they can definitely do better. Um, I think yeah. another one that's, like, commonly not liked is uh, the twist villain from Wreck-It Ralph. But I actually kind of liked that one. Oh, speaking of Wreck-It Ralph, that's another one of my favorite villains. Or at least, okay, okay. so you know how they have the villainous board games? Yes. I love those games. I have, like, all of them, including the Marvel one. And there's some villains I think should be in the game that aren't yet, but other villains made it in, and I'm like, how is this in there? One of the villains that's in Villainous is Prince John from Robin Hood. Mm. He's the lion who wants money. I, I, that, that, that's all that you need to know. He, he's very And he made it into Villainous. Yeah. He's kind of funny because he's dumb. He's like Little John or something like that. And they make fun of him all the time, like sucking his own thumb or whatever. But he's in the board. But then we talk about Bowler Hat Guy. <laughs> and I think he should be in the board game at some point. Or Wreck-It Ralph's villain, King Candy slash, I mean, people have probably seen it by now, Turbo. Uh, that should turbo. be a Disney villain. Yeah, he should be one of the villainous villains in this board game. Which, if you don't know, this board game is you buy the expansions or just the original, and you basically play as a little villain trying to complete your goal. Depending on your villain, there's different goals. If you're Isma, you're trying to catch Cusco. You know, <laughs> if you're uh, Cruella Deville, you're trying to get 101 puppies. You know, it's based off of the villains. So I'm like, I'm surprised that some villains that I definitely would think should be in the game are not in the game yet. Yeah. Like, they haven't done a Frozen one yet, which as popular as Frozen was, you'd think they would. Oh, and I should say, there's, like, probably close to 20 villains out now. How many villainous villains out? Let's see. Oh, there's been a few expansions. Oh, and they started getting to Star Wars, too. It looks like there's about 21. I mean, that's a Give lot. or take. Like, there's Captain Hook, Jafar, uh, Ursula's in there, Radigan's in there, um, Dude, Scar, that's cool. uh, Pete, like, like, from Mickey Mouse. He's in there. Oh, Like, cool. classic Pete. Yeah. Uh, you got Gaston. Lots of the bears in there. And Syndrome's in there. Syndrome's pretty cool. Actually, I haven't played Syndrome yet. I have it. I have not played that one. Because I, Man, I just need to find people to play it with. You're making me want to play it. I would love to play, like, Radigan or Syndrome. Those are cool. I have them all here. Lotso's in there. The bear from Toy Story 3. Which, good twist villain, I think. If if we're on the topic of twist villains. I saw it coming a mile away, but I agree. I, I really like it. I think it was them. a good twist. But you're right. It was kind of like, okay, well. Whatever. So, I mean, a twist doesn't have to be unseen to be a good twist. It just, I think, it's just for I the think, characters. I think if people are just, like, tired of the twist being the villain. I think you can set up a villain and have it being a compelling story. But, yeah, continue. I want a movie where the hero turns to the bad guy, and that's the twist. And they don't go good again or something. They're just now the new bad guy. So now the bad guy has to become the good guy. Uh, that's Megamind. You just described Megamind, the best movie of all time. Oh, yeah, I did time. describe Megamind. <laughs> well, that's not Disney, so we're not allowed to talk about it. Dang it. But that's a good movie. But yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that is a great movie. Um, like, oh, you know who's a good, relatable villain? Who isn't? Okay, here's the catch. This villain wasn't relatable until the second movie. You want to guess? Uh, no, I have no idea. The second movie came out like 15 years later. Oh, Incredibles. Right. Not Incredibles. Oh, okay. Well, 
the other uh, Monsters Inc. and Monsters University. Randall, oh, oh, the chameleon, bad okay, guy. Okay. In the first movie, he's the bad guy. He's just a jerk face. He's a, he's an ass. He's a bad guy. In the second one, you find out that the only reason he's a bad guy is because Mike Wazowski treated him terribly in college. That's so true. I like I, he gets like everything messed up because Mike Wazowski exists. I so actually, then he becomes a relatable villain. I loved Monsters University. I don't. I, it was I don't, a good sequel. I, I like. I guess people just wanted a, a sequel really badly of Monsters Inc. So they were, they were going to be harsh on this movie no matter what. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good story. And I yeah, I thought it came out great with good reception, but maybe it didn't. There are a lot of people saying that like they just they felt like it was an unoriginal concept doing a college movie, and they wrote it off as being like. I don't know, not true to the characters, and it did sort of retcon some things. Um, I suppose. But I will say, I really loved the ending, where they kind of show um, uh, Mike and Sully going up the corporate ladder. I thought that was really, really sweet. And a lot of people also pointed out that um, this movie could be a very easy um, comparison to those on the uh, on the autism spectrum. Um, which Interesting. After I had been told that and I, I rewatched the movie, I could actually really see that. It's just like you you think differently. And oftentimes you have to work twice as hard to get somewhere. And sometimes it's just not enough. And that's okay. I think that's the point of the movie. That's fair. All right. Well, we've hit about 45 minutes-ish. So we'll yeah. have a good time to wrap it up. Yeah, let, 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 let's, uh, let's wind it down. Um, I, think, I think this means, if I'm not mistaken... We get a corny joke. A corny joke? What do you want? Okay. What kind of... Do you want to hear one about corn? All right. Yeah. Hit me with it. Because I'm all ears. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a better. Just give me... Give, <laughs> I got to no. I gotta think about these things. Because I, I know... I, hold on. What, what joke can I come... Hold on. I'll get one. I'll get one. I promise. I promise. Hold on. I, I'm not... I, you think I'm looking it up. I'm not. I'm thinking about it. Oh, okay. I, I, I said this one the other day. I liked it. All right. So, uh, okay. So for some of you guys that drink, all right, the, there's a drink called a screwdriver you can get. Orange juice and like vodka or something like that. So anyway, this screwdriver walks into a bar and he asks the bartender, hey man, could you make me up a drink? I mean, I'll take anything. And the bartender goes, well, surely you'd want the drink named after you, right? And the screwdriver goes, what? what? You got a drink named Dave? Huh. <laughs> Corny joke. It's okay. not about corn, but it's, it's, a, it's a silly joke. Let's wind it down. Thank you so much for listening uh, to the Half Wits Podcast. Uh, you can find me in places at Kiranimbus. I'm streaming daily on Twitch, and I also have a YouTube channel, and obviously you can find our podcast on every streaming platform ever. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I don't think so. I don't I do not do much social media. I'm not going to lie. I just don't. I, maybe if I had enough of a following, I would start. But no problem. Well, if... And if you are interested, uh, Trons does edit some of my content on YouTube. You can check out the Cult of the Lamb series that we do. Super fun to watch. And uh, that being said, bye. Bye.